All right, welcome to the conversation on the TYT network. Uh, we got a great guest you guys might be familiar with right now. Uh, it's Richard Ojeda, uh, retired major uh, Richard Ojeda. Uh, and uh, he's of course a state senator in West Virginia, ran for Congress uh, in the last cycle, close of 37 points in that district, which is the, the biggest margin that any Democrat in the country closed. Ran for Senate, but lost in the primaries this time around to another good progressive, Paul Jean Swearingen, who's now the main candidate there. But now he is the national spokesperson for No Dem Left Behind. So, Richard, welcome back to the Young Turks, brother. Hey, Jink, thank you guys for having us. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, um, as you know, of course, we, we loved your campaign in, uh, in 2018 when we showed all those ads and we said that. You were going to do a lot better than any Democrat that would normally run in those areas, and you did. That was a plus 49 Trump district, and and you closed that 37 points. So, what is no Dem left behind, and what lessons can they learn from the kind of campaign that you ran? Well, you know, no Dem left behind. You know, we are a group that goes into the red rural districts, and we support people that are trying to flip red seats. To blue, uh, we have some amazing candidates, and and I'm I'm absolutely when I say all you have to do is check out our candidates, and you are going to like what you see. And you know we know that if people check out our candidates, they're going to want to donate to our candidates. Uh, they're just amazing, wonderful people. We've got doctors, we've got veterans, uh, you know, we've got a, a, a wide group of of different folks out there, and they're all just absolutely equally amazing. And you know we think that we may be able to flip a few seats. From red to blue here. So, talk to us about the strategy then. First of all, actually, give us the website real quick, Richard. How can the people find the candidates? They can go to nodimleftbehind.com and they can check all of our candidates out. You know, and 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 once again, like I said, if you if you check them out, you're going to like what you see. How many candidates do you guys have that you're supporting? Right now, we have a twelve candidates. I'm pretty sure it's twelve candidates. And what's the criteria you're using? Is it just a good candidate in a really red district, or does it depend on how the candidates campaign? Well, you know, first and foremost, you know, it's we we check out the candidate and 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 we like their background, we look at their platform. If we like what we see, then we then we we jump on board and we support them. You know, like I said, we we actually have just now established a pack. Uh, and and we're very pleased to do this because you know we want to make sure that you know we can we can help people out there and we can show them and we can we can help provide training for them so that they know that they can win in red districts uh, you know and we want to make people out there who live in red rural districts that are scared of running we want them to know that they have there's a group out there that absolutely supports their efforts and if we can get linked up we want to do everything in our power to help them. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, and I've seen a lot of great uh, people, Kim Mango, Ronnie, yes, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, I'm just uh, not necessarily uh, naming the candidates you guys have, but but folks I've run into running in pretty red districts, but I still think are, are winnable. The reason I give the that example is Kevin McCarthy is the leader of the Republicans in the House, but his district has a ton of Latino voters. And if you could register folks to vote, he's actually beatable. Pam Keith is a great candidate in Florida and a very winnable seat there. She's a veteran. Kim Mango's a veteran, etc. So lots of great Democrats out there in red districts. So in terms of how you help support them, 
what does the organization provide for these candidates that might be helpful? Well, we absolutely help them and we get them recognition. You know, we've been doing these live town halls, which of course you're gonna do this Thursday with us. We've recently did one with Andrew Yang. We've, I mean, Chelsea Handler, Sarah Cooper. I mean, you know, we, we've been running these events and we're starting to really pick up a lot of momentum. And that's the best part is that now people are starting to learn and know what No Dim Left Behind is. And now we're starting to get the momentum that we really believe is needed to be able to, you know, high, highlight our candidates. You know, we have some absolutely amazing candidates. Devin Pandy, that's running in Georgia's ninth district. If you give this guy some time, you're going to like what you see. Tom Pauzewicz is running up in Wisconsin. I think it's the first district. Once again, spot on with everything that they say. And, and we really believe that if, if people get the opportunity to see our candidates, they are going to like what they see and then they're gonna support. So Richard, uh, normally in red districts, Democrats are on as Republicans and it never works out. Uh, so how, how about your guys? Uh, are you giving them, is the organization giving them advice? And what kind of advice are you giving on how to run politically? Yeah, we we there's it's plenty of advice, you know, plenty of advice. But but you know, we we tell our people to be themselves. You know, our folks are fighting for Medicare for all. You know, our our folks are fighting to end Citizens United. And the thing is, is that you know, the, if you listen to our candidates speak. I mean, they're amazing, and and they really, they literally are amazing. We got a guy that's Rob Anderson that's running against Clay Higgins down in Louisiana, and I'm telling you right now, he's a ball of fire. Anybody who listens to him. It gets excited by him, and and I believe he can win. We've got a lot of people that are running in this country that are Republicans, that are members of Congress, that a lot of people now are are, are really starting to frown upon. You know, most of these people they're, they're too scared to stand up and say what needs to be said. They're absolutely just following Trump, Trump, Trump. And I think that now a lot of people are starting to see that that's absolutely not the way to go. I think people are waking up in this country. Right. Um, in fact, you know, a couple of examples there. Again, I'll go back to Pam Keith, who used to be a Just Democrat last time around, and so she got forty percent of the vote in her primary, lost by twenty points, and the establishment thought they were done with her. This time around, they run someone who is better financed against her in the primary. Boom, she beats them by like sixty points or something. So when you run a second time, it makes a giant difference, and now she might beat. She has a very good chance of being the Republican in that race because she's actually gonna run as a Democrat <laughs> instead of as a Republican, which is what a lot of the Democratic establishment does. Anyway, in Carr Eastman in Nebraska, that used to be a red seat, but now it's a toss up or even leaning Carr Eastman. So even if the candidates that Richard's telling you about don't win this time around, you helping them this time around might help them win in extraordinary circumstances. There's that blue wave surge. But if not, they still have a much better chance next time around. And so. that's what we said. We've we've said that. Look, if you're not successful now, but you're building momentum, we can we start on November the fourth, and we continue going. You know, we have Mia Mason, who's running in Maryland's first district. She's the first female transgender Democratic nominee. You know, and I'll tell you, she's amazing. And once again, we continue this momentum. If we lose, hey, we dust ourselves off and we get back in the fight on November the fourth. So just the other day we covered a story about how Bernie Sanders is advising Joe Biden's team. For God's sake, talk about the $15 minimum wage, you're in favor of it. We're not asking you to change any policy and you'll double the wages of a lot of people in this millions of people in this country. 
So talk about some sort of policies that are a positive reason to vote for you. And now it's not being well received, of course. The establishment is saying, "Oh, look at that! It's going to take away energy, etc." So I'm curious what your take is, given that these candidates are in red districts. Do you tell them to talk about $15 minimum wage, or or shy away from topics like that? I mean, if if that's something that they believe and that they're for, you know, they they are. They're speaking that. I mean, first and foremost, we know that you know minimum wage and 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 wages in general have remained stagnant for far too long. You know, and it just amazes me how so many people, especially your Republicans, are willing to 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 accept the garbage that's being fed to them from from the top. And it's like they're just going to go ahead and accept it. You know, I mean, anybody out here should know trickle down economics doesn't work. Trickle up economics will work. If we give money to the people at the bottom, it's going to end up in the people's hands at the top, but at least it's going to go through the people at the bottom and make their lives better. All right. And Richard, out of the campaigns that you have run, including the successful one to become a state senator, and and the ones where you you close big leads in very very red districts. What are the top lessons you learned that it, whether it's no dem left behind or any Democratic candidate running in a red district, what would you tell them? Uh, you know, you got to get out there. You know, and let me tell you something. The majority of Republicans don't want to debate. The majority of Republicans don't go out there and get in the faces of the voters. Our people do. And I'll tell you right now, that means a lot. You know, I, you know, like you know, when I ran for Congress, I couldn't get a debate because once again, they didn't want to talk about that. You know, my opponent hid from everybody. We make sure our opponents are not opponents, but we make sure that our people are out there in the in the in the eyes of everybody, so that if people see them, you can talk to them. If you talk to them, you're going to like them. All right, and and, and uh, Richard uh, uh, referred to. Um, town hall that I'm going to be doing this week. So make sure you check that out. It is to highlight the candidates and also talk about important issues. So if you want to find out more, you can do it at tyt.com slash jenktownhall slash jenktownhall. I will have the link in the description box below too. That's Thursday night at eight o'clock Eastern. And and we want to make sure that we got that for you guys before. The the campaigns went any further. So, Richard, as we run out of time here, any last thoughts on on how people can support these candidates and your organization? Yeah, please go to nodimleftbehind.com and donate. You know, every single. I mean, let me tell you something. It's going to go to a absolute worthy cause. We're going to turn these seats from red to blue eventually, but hopefully, we can turn them in this next race. Yeah, and I just want people to understand when we say eventually just because that means you just stay in the fight and you keep in the fight and there's a potential giant blue wave coming this time around. So it could lead to immediate victories as well. Um, so I love that you guys are in every state and every district. That's how we got to do it. Uh, no Dem left behind. Uh, Richard Air- <laughs> I was going to Richard Airborne. Richard Ojeda, thank you for joining us, Airborne. Thanks, brother, Airborne. All right, back on our conversation. Um, we got a guest for you guys that uh, you are all familiar with, and uh, I think most of you love. Uh, Ida Rodriguez joins us. <laughs> uh, Ida is uh, the host of Truth Serum. She's on Young Turks all the time, as you all know. Uh, but she's got two different shows coming up on HBO Max. 
uh, a scripted show and uh, and a special. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, that's exciting news. Uh, but uh, she's also hosting the uh, Imagen Awards, uh, which we're carrying exclusively on September 24th. It's the 35th annual uh, edition of that. It's at eight o'clock Eastern. So don't miss it wherever Young Turks is broadcast on all of the platforms, Pluto, Roku, YouTube TV, etc. We're on the Imagen Awards will be on us. And so Ida, for folks who are unfamiliar, can you tell us why this award ceremony is particularly needed at this time? Well, I mean, Imagen is a, is a, a program that honors and acknowledges the people that are in front of the camera and behind the scenes who are Latinx. And it, it, you know, they actually showcase some of the talent that you probably will never hear of in mainstream, you know, award shows. But I think that in this moment is very important, especially because we have this election coming up. I think it's very important for us to honor intersectionality and to have these conversations. TYT has been a partner and for my mission and the things that I've been doing. And Imahen needs these two groups and sections of people need to intersect because we need to defeat what's what's holding us all down and back right now. And I think that it doesn't matter if it's entertainment, medicine, um, you know, science, we all need to band together to get rid of um, and, and try to overturn this, this horrific, not just administration, but this, you know, this toxic capitalism that's just affecting our community so bad. And Latin people, Latinx people are a very big consumer market and we show up for everybody. We support brands, we support, um, we support, we put our, our dollars into companies and right now, you know, in Hollywood nor anything else is reflecting how much we bring, how much value we bring to the United States. Yeah, so um, I actually want to talk about that uh, politics a little bit here in this context. So uh, I've been talking about my uh, uncle who's going to vote for Trump. It's driving me crazy, uh, even though he's a Muslim immigrant. So uh, I can see the polling on uh, Latinx uh, voters. Uh, and Biden's still getting at least two thirds, but you know that that leaves a big chunk that are actually going to vote for Trump. Uh, what's your personal um, experience uh, in, in that in the Latinx community? Uh, do you still see some folks uh, hanging on to Trump? And if so, why on God's earth? I don't know if you bother talking to them or not, but. Well, you know, one thing that the right has done very effectively is weaponize the talking points surrounding communism and socialism, even though their guy is actually employing a lot of, you know, he's employing a lot of things that that are very familiar to people that come from communist countries. And when you see locks on mailboxes and you see, you know, law enforcement that is not, that you can't identify that is scooping people up off the street, which is very familiar and reminiscent of those like my dad who comes from Cuba. But you you hear 
people don't have the time to read, they don't have the time to really uh, learn. So they get their information from social media and from a lot from cable, you know, news. And so you within our community, a lot of people who come from Venezuela and Cuba and those and adjacent to those countries that are very afraid of communism are being, you know, driven emotionally by these talking points because of the things that Bernie and AOC and the squad that are fighting for, which is really much pretty much equality and justice for all people in this country where it's such a, you know, such a lack of balance in our economy where so many people are suffering in this particular moment. And so you hear Latin people, Latinx people who wanna identify with the Republican Party because they come from these countries and they think that that's upwardly mobile. And they really wanna assimilate into a, a white culture because they're tired of hurting and they don't wanna be ostracized and they don't wanna be in pain, but they don't realize that they're biting their noses to spite their faces because the people who hate marginalized people hate them all. And so <laughs> white supremacy doesn't care if you're a Muslim or you're Latin or you're transgender, they hate us all. And so, you know, I think that a lot of people are getting bad messaging in terms of what they should be looking for in terms of who, who they should be voting for. Right, um, and it's such a sad phenomenon, but uh, pitting uh, minorities against one another, pitting poor people uh, against one another is the oldest trick in the book. and. And it goes all the way up to the the very end of the upper class. Because if you're middle class, they say, "Oh, watch out for the poor," right? If you're poor, they say, "Watch out for the homeless." If you're Latinx, they say, "Watch out for black folks," yeah. like or the new immigrants, etc. There's just no end to it. And and you look, I see sometimes Middle Eastern folks falling into this, and so I wonder if it you know you get a sense of that too, like that if you're not black. It's you could be white passing, and that gives you a gateway to go. Oh no, no, I'm not with them. I'm with you guys. That's Do you right. see that phenomenon at all? All the time, and within our community, the problem is that when you talk about black, you are talking about Latin people because there is intersectionality, and there are black people who are Latinos and that are Latinx, and the you know a lot of the the. Though, though you're not like the rest of them usually is rooted in white supremacy because you are white passing and why would you want to identify with those indigenous immigrants or those black you know criminals or all of the talking points so within our community we have such a big uh, there's such a big uh, battle right now because within people from Cuba who are not immigrants because they have political asylum they exercise their privilege against people who are from Central America who are have political asylum. And then you have Puerto Ricans who have citizenship who are like, well, I'm not, I'm a citizen. And you know, at the end of the day, they treat us all bad. <laughs> so I don't understand why we're all doing this. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm with you. And, uh, and then this year, the Emmys had uh, no one who was even nominated that's Latinx, right? Well, they were nominated behind the scenes. Um, there were some black Latin people who were nominated. And again, Latin, Latinx people are very, uh, they, they tend to have a blind spot when it comes to people who are, you know, of a different, uh, that are LGBTQIA plus, that can be black or indigenous. And when sometimes when they were crying and saying, we were not included, they were talking about their white selves or their white passing selves. But yes, there was, there's a big problem. There's a big lack of diversity. 
And the problem is not in front of the camera. Yes, of course, our issue is that we don't have power. And while we focus on why we're not on camera, we need to be focusing on why we're not in the executive rooms, in the writers rooms, why we don't have the showrunners. There's a big, big gap. There's a hole in Hollywood where you don't see Latinx people in those positions of power. And that's how you actually get the writers rooms and the representation on camera. But we're so focused sometimes on what what's in front of us that we don't realize that there's this big old structure behind us and that's what we need to dismantle. All right, awesome. Um, so uh, you've got two HBO Max shows coming up. Um, I, I don't know how much of it you can share, but uh, how do you want, I've, I've been talking to you about uh, different shows that you could do that are amazing. Uh, and, but HBO is an awesome place to land. So I'll ask it in this funny way, how did you get those shows? So you know, it's funny, one of them is in development. So that's not for sure if it's a go. We're developing, I'm developing with HBO Max. They've been great partners. I'll tell you, probably one of the best experiences that I've had in this business has been with HBO Max. My comedy special, after they saw the Netflix special, they really wanted to create a home for me there. And the TV show is something that I sold to them right after I taped that Netflix special. And then they made a way for me to come there and do my comedy special. So, I mean, there are a lot of women at HBO Max and they're smart and they're making it. And not just because they wanna be in partnership with me, but they're just making good decisions. They have a team of four women who are over there that really are focusing on inclusion and and diversity. And they saw my comedy, they got it. And now they wanna do more with me. Okay, I love it. I can't wait for the show. And I could, I know from personal experience, if someone wants to work with you, they're brilliant. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm drinking coffee, too strong. Oh, look at that, okay. I got mine right here too, okay. <laughs> Anyways, all right, everybody, Imagen Awards, it's September 24th. It's at eight o'clock Eastern, Ida's hosting. Uh, Young Turks is distributing it. It's the 35th annual awards. So make sure that you see folks in projects that are amazing that you might not have otherwise known about uh, if you weren't watching this and see some of the amazing accomplishments uh, for Latinx community in the entertainment industry. So uh, Ida, thank you for joining us, appreciate it. I'm happy we're gonna do it with you. Absolutely, and then by the way, everybody also check out Truth Serum.